Welcome to the Smoke and Rope Podcast, the show that brings together Michigan's top cannabis growers, advocates, and business owners to offer a fresh and honest perspective of Michigan's cannabis industry. Stick with us to get the lowdown from the people who have been on the ground floor of cannabis business in Michigan and gain insights into where the industry may be heading. Welcome to the Smoke and Rope Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Basor, and today is episode 82. And today I'm super excited to have on as a guest and my good friend, Dan Tomaski, the Chief Science Officer at Driven Grow. Hey, thanks for having me, Ryan. Uh, good to see all you guys again. Kevin, what's going on today over in Lansing? Yeah, it was a little treacherous on the way in. Um, and navigating around Lansing today has been kind of a challenge. We probably got about eight inches of snow so far and it's still coming down. Um, but uh, yeah, the the show goes on and, and uh, we got to find a way to get here and work every single day. You know, the plants, the plants don't take a day off, so we're not taking the day off. Tom, what's up in Kalkaska? Uh, nothing, just a slow, steady snow today and uh, it's actually pretty nice up here. Excited to talk to Dan, a fellow Northern Michigander here too. Well, Dan, I wanted to give you a proper introduction. I met Dan back in, in 2010 when I was uh, traveling the state for Mac, recruiting members, and Dan, Ricky, and Drew opened the first dispensary in Gaylord and quickly knew these guys were great guys and um, have watched, watched the journey. And it's pretty rare that a company that uh, was built by three guys 12 years ago are all still together and thriving and uh, Dan's doing an incredible job with all the processing over at at Driven so Dan why don't you introduce yourself yeah absolutely so uh, as you know my name is Dan Tomaski I work for I'm the chief science officer at Driven Proce- or at Driven Grow um, I run the processing department and uh, it's been a long long journey since we we all kind of met and got got started together um, I guess I, I'll start on the the side when, you know, I've, I've got a history of cannabis prior to medical, the medical law coming into effect, but we probably shouldn't talk about that. Um, but I've been a proponent, let's say, for a long, long time. Um, in 2008, uh, I was really excited to see that, you know, the people of Michigan decided to uh, legalize it for medical use. Um, and what really kind of gave me my or you know kind of spurred my enthusiasm to pursue cannabis as a you know as an interest a main interest of mine was um my wife used to suffer from some seizure disorders uh, a seizure disorder that would that you know kind of affected her health and, and quality of life a little bit when she started regularly using cannabis those seizures virtually disappeared and long story short she was able to get off her medication and we i actually have children today because of cannabis that she was able to actually get off of all her anti-seizure meds that would have been dangerous for for the baby so i've got two healthy young very smart girls and uh very proud of them and that's that's really what kind of you know made me realize that there's something more to this than just you know a fun friday night um but since then uh you know as ryan mentioned i started kind of partnering up with with Drew it was kind of a, just an informal partnership with Drew and Ricky at the beginning and I I rented space in their dispensary for a, a, a chromatography lab that I had um, acquired equipment for and was kind of looking for a place to do it that made sense they had some extra space so I added uh, 
I added to their dispensary, brought in all my equipment and that was, it didn't, it, it was kind of short lived because just after, you know, a few months later, kind of the raids started and, and Drew and Ricky shut down their dispensary, which of course caused me to shut down the, the storefront for the lab. But in that process, I did learn quite a bit more about the science of cannabis. So that, uh, you know, gave me some more knowledge to continue to pursue it despite the lab being closed. And I had been growing um, at home as a caregiver um, and we're, you know, kind of doing some different things. But after the lab closed, I kind of needed a new outlet for my for my brain to pursue something. So uh, I got I started looking into ex extraction pretty heavily, discovered some some plans online. Uh, Gray Wolf was, uh, you know, a pretty big uh, influence on 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 me as far as on the extraction side. And I don't know if, you know, anybody who really kind of knows even just a little bit about extraction probably is, is familiar with Gray Wolf. Um, and in two, about 2012, I, burnt, I built my first uh, closed loop extractor, uh, built another one later on that year, uh, built a, th a third larger extractor in 2013. And we've been, you know, pretty much processing uh, closed loop hydrocarbon since then. So I've been doing it, you know, going on 10 years uh, extracting. So it was, uh, it was pretty hairy and a little bit, um, you know, dangerous at first, but it did seem to be, uh, you know, safe. Uh, I had a lot of experience from my previous career in oil and gas. So I had, you know, some safety and gas detection experience and plumbing experience. So we, it was really, you know, I, I believe a lot of the reason why we were able to do it safely with no accidents, with with very little guidance and, and regulation. So, um, but from from there, then you know, we we started driven process up, uh, got the what I believe to be the literally the best machine available on the market for extraction, and uh, it's been it's been a heck of a heck of a ride, and I'm I'm so glad to finally be where. I had hoped to be so it's uh and, and it's it's just it the possibilities now are, are even greater uh, for for you know for uh, a new um i'm sorry that for, for more for more progression and better science and and more consistency than they than they ever have been so pretty excited about the future it's awesome awesome dan uh Sorry about the technical difficulties. I didn't. Uh, I didn't know that about 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 your wife. Um, you know, I always learn something new on this show about our guests. But that's that's really cool, and uh, I understand your your passion for the RSO now and, um, and and everything you've done with that. And and I'm sorry. I apologize if when I cut out I missed it. Did, um, you want to talk a little bit about like just I know what you've done with RSO over the years. You guys, you have been involved in you know some of the giving away. The, cancer project and um and and then you know why we decided to you know i'm i'm a huge proponent of it and i'm on it and many of my family and friends and people a lot of elderly people i know are on rso and and how we got into that yeah absolutely yeah and actually the and when i was i was talking about you know my first extractor i built in 2012 and the the driving force kind of behind that that kind of got me into extraction was I attended a class that was held by Gersh Avery and John Roberts and I 
believe it was at Brad Forrester's house um, where they were showing us how to make RSO with isopropyl alcohol and you know went through the whole process and it was an entire day um, of instruction and it, and you know I kind of got to know you know I, Gersh had I'd, I'd met Gersh prior to that and you know I'd offered to do some testing for him pro kind of pro bono on on his oil um, for for potency um, and that and that kind of thing and, and that kind of spurred me to, to build my own extractor and then start making RSO with with BHO so um, that's kind of how I that that was part of the reason why I got into it and and it and I've done a lot of of extractions for different caregivers for RSO three or four you know and I know I, Gersh and, and John have both been very successful with with treating some cancers you know it's not 100% but um, they've got some very very strong evidence that it, it does affect at least certain cancers um, pretty well. Um, I, I've worked with you know quite a few caregivers who have five or six actual cures under their belt with RSO, which you know is pretty amazing. I was really skeptical of the claims at first, um, and then I saw it actually work and heard the testimonials. and And there's no question that there is definitely something there, and we need to figure out why it doesn't work for some people and it works for others. That's really you know, the next step, I think, in, in the research of cannab cannabinoid treatment. Well, with RSO, I, I'm wondering from your perspective as an extractor, uh, RSO as a full spectrum, single source um, medicine, how does this race for high THC, um, keeping hemp on one end of the spectrum and high THC cannabis under another regulated spectrum and, and uh, when we know, at least the evidence suggests that full spectrum cannabinoid um, and terpene uh, profiles are have the best uh, success against, say, certain diseases like cancer or or things of like that. How is how do you think like breeding and um, just the separation between THC and CBD? How is that going to affect the ability to actually make a truly effective medicine? Right. Well, and. It, it, it does. I mean, really stripping everything except for the cannabinoids off, like when making distillate, that's, that's a good way to purify a compound, but it's not necessarily the best way to make medicine and effective medicine. I, I you know, firmly believe that, that like you indicated, Tom, that uh, a, a full spectrum of cannabinoids combined with the, the terpenes and flavonoids and other compounds that aren't even actually quantified right now contribute to the effectiveness of of the the medicine so i i think r removing that stuff for the sake of high potency is kind of a mistake you need those other compounds you need the terpenes and the flavonoids and like i said some of the unknowns or the known unknowns that that are present there um to make it more effective and i've seen that evidence in you know people who take distillate instead of rso I've seen a few cases and it's just anecdotal, but it's not quite as effective and it doesn't provide as much relief as something that is a full spectrum that includes everything that was on the plant in the first place and, and nothing stripped out, you know, for, for purposes of color or potency. Do you believe that um, maybe that moving into a direction of uh, more taking 
you know, expressing certain um, cannabinoids out of plants and, you know, say, you know, CBN and CBD and all of your different, uh, your, you know, just expressing certain, you know, lower, less predominant cannabinoids in plants and extracting them and then being able to figure out where people are deficient in their endocannabinoid system in particular with what can work best in their particular either imbalance or if they have a disease because we believe that an imbalance in your endocannabinoid system leaves you susceptible to disease, right? So having a custom tailored type medicine that works in a way that we can somewhat define where people are deficient uh, is, and to custom tailor a medicine for for individuals. Yes, yeah, and I, I think that's the next step. And of course, you know, there's very little research been done on that because it's still federally illegal. Come um, on. That that really would be, you know, something that that I think would be helpful for for people who just can't figure out a treatment. Um, and I, I I think yes, I think that's the the minors are are maybe even more important than the, the ones where we normally see THC, CBD. So, but yeah, CBN, CBG, CBC, THCV, THCVA. Um, there's a, there's a, there's new cannabinoids seemingly almost every day being discovered. And then, you know, being able to actually quantify them and test them is the problem on the, on the analytical side. Laboratories don't have reference standards for these new cannabinoids, partially because they're so new. Right. And, do you believe that market? I mean, I think that market um, pressure to force producers like ourselves to create only high THC varieties for people to be commercially viable. So then you can essentially pay your bills and things of that nature without actually educating people to the importance of having a wide full spectrum um, option in order to make sure that you are you know, you're satisfying all those types of receptors and and things that you may be it's kind of like a you know, splatter shot. So I think that, you know, if we can get people to embrace uh, varieties that are full spectrum, one source plant, but it has say a mm -hmm. one to one or a five to one or whatever works best mm -hmm. for people and having about as wide of a spectrum. So you can have all of that instead of using, putting together different isolates, right? And to make, you know, to make that just to be able to source in a plant in order to incentivize people to, uh, to try these things out in the market of, you know, with, people moving from medical into rec, and then they see something like they think a CBD is something that's only a medical product, but not knowing that if you're an adult use patient, you're probably a medical patient regardless whether you know it or not. Yeah, absolutely. I agree 100% with that, that it all just about all cannabis use is medical use um, in one way or another. But yeah, I, I think that's, that's, you know, and that's where kind of maybe people like us can help with educating consumers a little bit on the benefits of not just THC by itself and and you know embrace the the possibility that these other minor cannabinoids or or a, a balanced ratio of THC to CBD may actually be better and do and be more effective for them um, and yeah and I believe keeping the entourage effect intact with all the terpenes and flavonoids that are present is is key I, I think that's it's it's important to keep that there and, and I think it's foolish to to discard those other compounds in favor of just 
you know potency and what's you know what's popular and they could disappear if they're bred out before because of market demand that's that's and i'm done absolutely yeah. yeah absolutely that and i think we've seen that in the past like most i think cannabis evolved with probably pretty equal levels of thc and cbd and it's been bred out by humanity just because we were looking to get high and cbd didn't do it but thc did and we just selected for that without even knowing what we were doing mm -hmm. so well, just just even look back in 2010, we brought that up. I know um, in my dispensary, I mean, we would have, uh, you know, three different, you know, a three to one, a two to one and a one to one uh, CBD, THC, like in, it was, we called it Canatonic 4. Now, if it was, you know, like there's debate on, you know, which is which, but we had that and people liked it and understood it. And I know Tom, uh, you know, uh, the doctor, Dr. Deskunk, yeah, uh, the Deskunk. The skunk, uh, you know, that was always, I would go and buy that at kind, you know, uh, and people liked it. So it's just interesting to see this market pressure of us moving from, you know, the, the caregiver market with stores to the regulated and how that happened. Um, you know, I, I, I feel like we're getting there like next year, the markets next summer, the market stabilizes finally. And, and maybe, uh, you know, the education process is where building these relationships with all these retail stores and the butt tenders, we can really, I mean, push it to them and give them the tools like we've been talking about mm -hmm. to, to teach that. But that kind of gives me, uh, I wanted to ask you a, a question. What, uh, you know, Dan, what's been the biggest adjustment for you? Like as far as from the, uh, you know, your, your days in the caregiver market to now the, the regulated market, you know, what's a day in the life of uh, Dan at the lab? Yeah, it, it's been, it's, been quite the transition i mean you know i i i was making you know i was blowing hash in my garage for quite a few years and you know then we moved to a shed which was a big upgrade um and i got it out of my garage you know um but i then then i started you know then the garage turned over into the the distillate lab so then we started making distillate about 2016 um and you know it's definitely it's actual work now it's a it's not just a hobby which is has been kind of my goal this is where i've always wanted to get but um it's a lot less about now the the um the process as it is about just wrangling the schedule and and i spend a lot of time you know making sure that this the scheduling is right and the process is kind of already figured out so thankfully we've had about 10 years to to figure most of this stuff out um but that's been probably the biggest thing to you know just kind of leisurely making distillate in my garage and you know um smoking weed and and talking on the phone and and that kind of stuff to actually now we we kind of do have to pay attention to what's going on so that has been a little bit of a little bit of a transition but like i said i've always wanted to get here so i'm i'm very excited to be here um and the the other thing that we do that we did get when in the transition from you know kind of caregiver to licensed was we we got a much nicer extractor um it's automated which gives us the best consistency that I believe we can get. Um, you know, robot basically takes care of the timing and the and the recipes. And I'm not relying on somebody, a human. I don't expect a human to act like a robot. And we need the kind of consistency that we want. We need a robot. So, um, you know, the human is still is still busy, but they're not necessarily busy doing robot things. 
Um, so that that has really given us an advantage. Um, it frees up my extractors time to do other things and it makes their labor more efficient and actually their job more enjoyable because they're not just they're not tied to a machine all day. Um, that has really been a, a big benefit to what we're doing now in the, on the, on the license side versus what we were doing in the caregiver side. Tell us about the machine you're using. Yeah, um, so it's a, a Lunatech, Lunatechnology. We lost Dan there. Oh, lost your audio, Dan. Back. Lost Dan's audio. What Dan, Dan was talking about the the Lunatech. I've had the uh, the privilege of seeing it work and and how automated it is. And can you hear me now? Back to uh, okay. Sorry. I'm, there you go. This there you new go. headset. I touched the button. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah. So the the Luna we can do twenty pounds of fresh frozen or fifteen pounds of of cured material at a time. Um, it's got recipes built in. It knows how long the soak time needs to be. It knows uh, when the viscosity of the final product is correct. And we can adjust that, tell it what, where we want it to stop the distillation process so that we can recover the, the uh, extract. Um, it, it really, and I, and I, you know, it sounds hyperbolic, but to me, it is the most advanced extractor on the planet. And, and you know, there's very little going on outside the United States for this. Um, so I feel pretty confident in saying that, that I don't think anybody else has a, has a hash robot like we do. So it's kind of cool. It, it's, uh, but it does, it does give us a, a much more consistent product and, and, um, really helps with, with, uh, drilling down on what is best for each particular strain and, and, and form of biomass and so on. So. That's uh, sweet. So. Uh, you know, we're actually uh, launching uh, our our live resin crystals and sauce. It's been a long time coming. Um, we ended up with nine different uh, strains, and those actually are going out tomorrow as we speak. Uh, you know, weather permitting to all the stores, and they'll be in the market. And we're in about 30 stores. Really excited to do that, just uh, to launch that. So, you know, Dan, that was. Um, that's been it's been your your project, and uh, I know you've had to. We've, you guys had to plan it. I know when you started talking about it, just even how long ahead you had to plan to get the the uh, the freezers, the plan for the uh, the outdoor and all that. Take us uh, uh, take us kind of through that that whole process of the year and and how you're doing that and and why um, you know the, the crystals and sauce that you're producing is uh, yeah. So um, we we started planning this probably about a year ago and we secured some outdoor space that was pristine soil brand brand new um fresh gravel to grow in and it was an, an awesome site uh, already had security and the the process began of figuring out you know we we'd kind of planned on getting a pretty decent harvest so we had to figure out what we were going to do with it um and the plan was to do everything in fresh frozen and we did have a, a freezer, uh, but it was 
pro it was we knew it was wasn't going to be large enough to hold everything so we had to to acquire another freezer which we, you know kind of had to search for but it wasn't too it wasn't too hard to find um e even amongst all the covid delays and everything we were lucky enough to find one uh not too far away um and w so what we have now are two uh eight by 40 connex freezers um they're basically meant for use on a container ship um they're pretty sweet little units um and a pretty inexpensive alternative to you know building a fixed freezer and the, the nice thing about these is you know we can call up a uh, low shock crane and have them move it to another site if we need to do some fresh frozen at that site pack it pack it full call the transporter have them move it uh have them move the the material from that freezer to you know to say our site at the main campus and then um you know of course we have to move the freezer empty which is you know that's an mra regulation otherwise we'd we just have loshaw move it full but unfortunately we have to call a, a a transporter and it takes them you know it takes them about three days to empty an entire freezer running trips back and forth so you know they've got a small trailer and they've got to unload and load and then go back and make a few trips so um, we got quite a few uh quite a few thousand pounds of of uh biomass frozen I'm, I'm not sure com i'm comfortable disclosing that i didn't clear that with the boss so i don't probably shouldn't go into how much we actually got <laughs> but uh it was it was a very uh good <laughs> harvest and um that was uh a great source of bio you know great start for us to to start making uh you know crystals and sauce doing a lot of live resin extraction um it, and it's been great you know uh the the material is is top notch uh it it's the yields are pretty decent and you know we're we're happy with it all the way around the qualities there terpene content is is great on you know we've seen as high as it, the tests i think we see as seen as high as 10 percent on the non-decarb stuff um i believe that was maybe maybe gooberry might have been mafia funeral any anyways close to 10 percent terpenes on the live um non-decarb which is in my opinion, you know, pretty high. Um, I've seen higher, um, but f for for what we did and and the strains that we used, I, I think this is going to be. It's it's and I actually I know it's going to be awesome. Um, you know, I've had the privilege of trying a few little dips and dabs, and that it's been you know I'm excited for everybody to get a taste of all of it. it I think Turn it over. Something for everyone out there. So Dan, uh, in your transition from from caregiving to to the regulated market, what 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 have been the biggest challenges for you guys? You know, I I know that what you guys are doing, I know that that people from the outside don't have an idea of really what it takes to do what you guys are doing um, from a regulation standpoint, from SOPs and and being able to stay compliant and uh, and, and there's a lot to it. Um, what have you guys found to be the the, the, the toughest thing in, in getting to where you're at today? Um, I'd say the record keeping more than anything um, has been tough. You know, you're, the state law state law mandates that you're you're supposed to do a record of formulation for everything that you sell. So we have to, you know, we've interpreted that probably maybe stricter than some others, but we've kind of erred on the side of caution. So collecting all the data, whatever happens to that extract after it goes from biomass to extract, is recorded. Uh, you know how long it spends in purge and 
all the way down to test results and then where it ended up as as far as final packaging. So that all is recorded on on the ROFs, um, the records of formulation to to make sure that we can track something if you know there's a recall or the state just asks and wants to know what happened with this and where did it go, where did it start from, and it's kind of basically a, a, an almost parallel system to metric that we've created outside of metric just to track all of the data that the and all of the things that we've done to a particular batch throughout the process so that's been probably the the toughest part and we pretty much had to build that from scratch there was no record of formulation software to be able to just buy and plug in and start tracking all this data so we had to build excel spreadsheets and we created a monster. It's a mess, but we are managing it, and it, and it's we're able to to drill down when we do have an occasional problem, and look back and see what happened to this batch, and maybe why something failed for solvents, or why it turned out as low a yield as it did, or you know, there's there's a bunch of different things that we can use. It's great data. Um, it is sometimes hard to to drill down into, but. Um, so far, we've been able to use it as a pretty effective tool, even though it is a little bit unwieldy. Yeah, that's, uh, that brings me, uh, it's a lot to think about. Um, that brings me kind of to what you, you mentioned a couple times um, before um, with uh, the CR, uh, CRC, um, being able to, you know, that's become something when the market first hit, you know, a couple years ago, regulated we were seeing a lot of it and it caught a, you know caught a really bad rap obviously uh for people would like to you know not have that and you know have great material uh you know obviously the live resin that we're doing is not and, um but you, you you mentioned to me when uh we were uh you know emailing that uh you know maybe there is a proper what is the proper time and use for that and why has it gotten such a bad rep besides right yeah and I, I think it's gotten a bad rap because people aren't filtering their media appropriately and, and it's ending up in the product. It's ending up in the extract, which is, a, you know, it's a, that's bad. Um, but I think that can be cured. The, the, the big, yeah, the big reason that, that it has gotten a bad reputation is because it's been inappropriately applied um, or it is, it has been applied, you know, it's been overused to the point where it, it it affects the the taste or you know taste or effects of the final product um and you know everybody wants everybody shops color and i i get it you know and 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 in in general they're right you know a, a lighter colored extract tends to be higher quality however that's not always that's not always right and and that's another point where um you know consumers maybe need a little bit more education that that just because it might be a little bit dark or darker than you were used to doesn't necessarily mean that it's bad um, it actually could be better um, and, but you'll never know unless you try um, but there are points where CRC is appropriate and and a lot of it has in in a lot of cases it's it's mostly with cured material and a lot of reason for that is growers don't harvest for extract, right? And I don't get dry trim that was harvested for extract. I get dry trim that was harvested for flower and the best potency of the flower and the smokeability of the flower. And sometimes that can be past the window so the, uh, of 
of where it would make a very nice light colored extract. So if you harvest early, you're going to get your, your that you're going to tend to have a lighter colored extract. However, that could affect the quality of your flower. So you don't want to sacrifice the quality of your flower just so you can get a few grams of light extract. So if you harvest for max flower potency and quality, you may get some cured material that tends to be a little bit darker. And that would be the appropriate spot to remove just a small amount of that color and make that product maybe a little more saleable it wouldn't it's not necessarily making it better other than in the eye of the consumer that lighter is better so you know you can there is a there is a way to extract without one polluting the extraction with with the filter media itself with the the color remediation media and two not to over remediate to as to remove the the, the important parts of of the extract that you want want to remain intact. So that's what we try to do um, when we do need to do CRC. Uh, and, and of course that's always cleared with the, with the client at the time, we don't just do it um, without permission. But um, if we see a lot of darker colored cured material coming in, we do suggest, hey, this might benefit from a little CRC. And we're always careful to try not to over, over remediate um, and still, try to leave everything as intact as possible. Um, and that's that's really what I believe is the most appropriate application for for that material. But it a lot of a lot of places just CRC everything because they just want it as light as possible. And that's what sells. And I get it. But um, I think maybe we're doing a disservice to to consumers by just kowtowing to that somewhat uninformed belief that lighter is better always. Well, that was a great explanation. You mentioned um, clients. Uh, my people might not not understand that out there. Obviously, you 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 guys have uh, your grow and your outdoor and producing uh, products under the Redemption brand. Um, as far as other clients, how does uh, that we work? do third party processing. So we have allocated uh, you know uh, so many hours on the machine to process third party. Most of our work is, is in-house for Driven Grow and um, for clients like Redemption, you know, I mean, I guess you kind of, and, and other clients as well that, that were taking our biomass, extracting it and selling it to um, different end users. Um, but we do have uh, some contracts with a couple of producers, uh, a couple of growers that we're processing different forms of, of um, extract for. Uh, we do a lot of uh, live resin cartridges and that have no distillate in them. We do make a little bit of distillate, not really on contract. It's more um, for ourselves and, and for wholesale. Um, but the uh, the primary our primary focus is non decarbed extracts for dabs and and cured and live resin cartridges that contain zero distillate. Um, they're processed whole. We leave the entourage uh, compounds in, intact. All the terpenes and, and flavonoids are intact. The, the cannabinoids are completely uh, uh, converted and activated. So they're, they're great in a vape cart. They won't crystallize in a vape cart. And um, um, that seems to be, you know, I've tried a few and I used to make distillate carts and the cured and live resin carts are just far and away better 
to anything that ever had any any cartridge that ever had any distillate in it and you know i used to make a lot of distillate carts and that was one major complaint that i had from patients was man as stuff is good and and i've had it tested and it's in the you know mid to high 90s but it just doesn't seem to get me high and it doesn't do the do the things that like flour does and when i and i you know i kind of agreed with that but you know i mean shoot you've got 90 percent distillate why isn't it getting you high well it's because we removed everything that that helps with that and you know all the terpenes and everything are gone and you can add some botanical terpenes back in or maybe even cannabis derived terpenes back in but it's it's not it's still not the same it it, there's other things there that we i don't think really know a whole lot about that really contribute to the the live and live and cured resin carts having the same entourage effect as the as the flower that it was extracted from that distillate just distillate cartridges just cannot mimic it's at least I haven't seen one that that has been able to do it successfully. Yeah, I I agree, and uh, I often you know we're out there battling on the front lines with consumers and uh, and and even um, bud tenders sometimes on why why the full spectrum is so much better, and you know we're trying to get the price down enough to where people don't have the option. I mean, it's to the point where like why would you do just like, the only reason I've heard out there why that why someone still uh would smoke distillate that i can agree with is like is uh is the smell because uh they, they you know the, the full spectrum smells like cannabis yep. and tastes like cannabis but uh some and for some people i would never ever thought about it but they're like oh my my wife's gonna bust me <laughs> if i if i smoke it or you know like <laughs> or if i'm hitting it in the bathroom at the at the uh the bowling alley someone's gonna mm-hmm. figure it out so that's the only logical thing i've heard yeah, out there yeah so far absolutely yet. yeah that I, I would agree with that they do they do have some funk i mean the the live and cured resin carts will yeah they smell like weed but they they do they i mean they work like weed too that's the that's the great thing about it but yeah, yeah exciting hey uh man that uh, time's flown by and i'm uh, glad i got through my 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 technical difficulties and um uh, ended up being a a great show and i and i learned a bit too so i'm happy with that but before we get going i want to let everyone wrap up and say goodbye so tom uh yeah dan love watching you guys grow it's uh, neighbors uh just keep doing what you're doing much respect to you and the guys tell everyone i said what's up and uh we'll get together when it warms up here yeah looking forward to it thanks tom yeah, I agree with Tom, Dan. Um, you know, it's it's crazy. Like we were just talking about a little bit. I know what goes into what you guys have accomplished and, and what you guys have done in, in, a, in a short period of time. It's been quite amazing. And, um, you know, I wish you guys the best moving forward and, and um, you know, your con- continued success and growing the business. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Same to you, Kevin. Thanks, Dan. Any, uh, final uh, yeah, just thanks. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. As you can maybe tell, I love talking about this stuff. So if anybody ever wants to talk about it for hours on end, let me know. I can keep you busy and probably put you asleep. <laughs> so I'll be your on your R and D team. <laughs> <laughs> right on, right on. Yeah, well, we can probably make that happen, yeah. Tom, for sure. So, um, but yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. No, it's been good having you on and. Um, you know we don't uh, we don't talk about the processing side of it uh, enough on here. So 
Uh, I'm real thankful you're making make, making my job uh, a lot easier uh, when you're, you're able to, to put out a great product and you know do it so efficient like you guys do. So um, looking forward to uh, to having you back on. We'll uh, we'll we'll talk again. Um, you know, maybe in about three or four months, see what's happening with the market and uh, um, appreciate it, Dan. And with that, uh, we'll see everybody next week. The Smoking Rope Podcast is produced and hosted by me, Ryan Basor, the owner of Redemption Cannabis. Have ideas for episode topics or would like to be a guest on the show? Contact us at ryanb at redemptioncanna.com. Thanks for being along for the journey.